Welcome to Never Rewrite. I'm Isaac Askew. And I'm Jeffrey Sherman. And today we're going to discuss whether having AI write your docs is actually helpful. Nice. Okay. So the genesis of this idea, uh, Isaac and I were just at a developer conference in lovely Oakland. And there were many companies there pitching various AI things. And it's not a question of well, one of the companies was pitching, hey, we're a incident service. And after the incident, we can have our AI, it'll read the discussions, and it'll generate the retro and you know the after action. And this will be helpful and useful to everyone. And my immediate reaction was not to question whether that was possible, because it totally is. And it, it seemed like mm -hmm. it did a reasonable job. But my question was, but is that actually solving? What problem does that solve? Because I know right now, my problem, or the, my view of the problem is when I see, when we have an incident, and like mm -hmm. we discuss it and we, you know, we resolve it. The things that I hope people get out of doing the retro is one, it will make them go back and look at it and think about it and ponder it more. The, the act of writing the retro will make them spend time thinking about it, the causes and everything else it'll that and then the larger right. problem is just then nobody reads it yeah and so if we had ai write it and then nobody reads it have we solved anything right the the minimal effort the minimum value we were getting out of the retro was that somebody was spending the time to think about it and write it before it went into a black hole yeah i think i have uh, a similar experience uh, and that's Almost every time, like, I, I feel like we have pushed developers to write documentation on anything from the code that they, they've tinkered with to mm -hmm. business level rationale for why they're doing it. Like, imagine a product uh, and that you're right, you've, ri you've written some code for that product, but there's a business concept behind the product and they, they wanna, you want to list out, like, different partners, onboarding types, like, different kind of rationale for why you've done things the way you've done them. Mm -hmm. Um, and generally the, you're always like redirecting people to those documents, um, rather than like struggling to write those documents, I feel like. Uh, so whenever people ask, oh, what does this product do? Then you're like, oh, well, did you, did you look for the document? Did you look in Confluence for it? Or did you check Slack or this particular channel, the public channel that we had associated with this idea? And generally the answer is, oh, oh, I didn't realize it existed. And then you try <laughs> to find your way to get to it. And then they, right, they RTFM. Yeah. Yeah. RTFM, but like uh, if if you haven't indexed associate you know, if you haven't indexed it correctly, it's difficult to know that there was a manual. Yeah, I guess we're it sounds like we're kind of in agreement here where having the AI I guess well maybe where let's let's check in. Would having the mm -hmm. AI write the documentation in your case help that because then in theory people could always assume that that the document existed because it should have been trivial. Like, would that be helpful? Because you're saying, hey, you know, if you don't know that the document exists, then certainly you aren't going to read it. Yeah. And so if you have AI writing all the docs for you. Yeah. You, God, 30 years ago, uh, I worked for, uh, in high school, I worked with a guy and he did a lot of his code. Was, he made sure that the code was literate. Um, 
self-generating, self-documenting, right? So you, you could run a <laughs> lexical scanner and it would yeah, yeah. build the docs. You know, Java was big on that too. And so like I always knew that the like the docs always exist and the docs are always up to date because every time you did a build, it would just update all the docs. Right. And that you know, fallen very much by the wayside. Would it, having AI write all the docs, you know, if that was a build phase mm -hmm. in your company, hey, we're going to compile and then the AI is going to write up the docs, revise them, and then update the, upload the revised version. Would, do you think that would encourage people to actually read them? That's a good question because I, I think that if if you, if the assumption is that everything would have a, a document, mm -hmm. that changes things, right? Because uh, right now it's like, oh, we might have documented this feature if it was part of this build phase or whatever that's going to take everything and write documents for everything. And the assumption is now, oh, we have a process in place by which nothing would be undocumented. Then that might shift the culture to go and check first for that document. But I, I do think that now that pretty much the major problem is not struggling to find a place to put the documentation, but constantly redirecting people to go and read that before asking me a question. Cause that's, that's your time tax right there. Yeah. It's like people keep coming to you first and going, how does this work? Or why don't we build this? Or who's the customer that we're building this for? And you go, Oh, did you check confluence? And they go, Oh, well I did, but I couldn't find it or no, I didn't. And you have to keep like pushing people to do that. Um, so even if you had stuff that generated the code part of it, um, that might not necessarily, that, that couldn't generate the customer side of it because the AI is not going to know, it's not going to have the context of who you built it for, but it can have context of like scanning the code base and trying to come up with code documentation. Right. Um, so there's still some business context that's probably valuable that it's not going to pick up on that you still need to document. Well, it might pick it up if you put, so if you, the developer, put the business context as a comment in the code, hmm. then uh, it would be able to pick up on it because you put it in the code and then it's reading the code. And Yeah. It, it, I think... it gets us back to literate programming where <laughs> yeah. we're adding tags to your code. You, and I, I've had this argument many times. No, it's discussion. Many, like, where do, you do, where do you put the business documentation for your code? If you put it in the code, that's great because then the developers will always see it when they go to look at it, but none of the business people will see it. I, I just had this uh, discussion actually yesterday with somebody who, who made who made some documentation. He wanted to build a search GitLab repos more mm -hmm. easily uh, because for some reason, I don't know if we're just doing search wrong or something, but we, he and I and a few others have struggled to find all of the repos uh, underneath our particular project in GitLab. Hmm. And we have this bad shared code for one of the repos and we wanted to see what what other locations in the code base were using that function so we could safely change it. And the search was not working for us. So he, he made he wrote something that would do it better, essentially. Uh, and we got into this complaint that we had had on the readmes for some files. Sometimes, instead of a readme, mm -hmm. it would be a link to a Confluence document in the readme. And then the readme, or, or rather the Confluence document, would tell you how to build the project and other information around like related reasons, like what the project's for, who uses it, which teams own it, and that kind of thing. And so we had this discussion of like, the readme should really just tell you how to build the thing, like how to get it spun up locally, and maybe some quick context around what it's used for, like a small summary at the top. And then all the other business logic behind it, like what customer problem it was solving, that kind of thing, doesn't necessarily need to 
being the read me because your read me could go on like a novel. It could be very long. Yeah. Uh, and so they kind of got us in a discussion around like what part should live where, you know, and how do you get people to keep that in sync? Because uh, we would go look at the read me and it'd be very frustrating when you've cloned a project and the read me just said, check confluence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to go to confluence and then you, you look at it last updated 2019 and you're like, well, <laughs> is yeah. this, is this build even <laughs> usually the build was out of date. Like, so I, I, this gets us back to the kind of like this problem here is like documentation in general, you can generate all you want, but you still need to find ways to kind of curate that and go. One of those companies was like, oh, look, we can see the last time this was edited and approved was this date. And that's mm-hmm. great for us. But if you have AI generating those things and marking the last updated date, you might be under the illusion that this is correct and updated. And the AI may have done something that you didn't anticipate or you know, given you the given you the the false the false understanding that this build date was recently approved or this build documentation was recently revised when it was just automatically updated. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so we've sort of come now full circle where we started off by saying, "Do you think we would going back to the original complaint that I had of?" Mm-hmm. There is value in having the developer write the documentation because it makes them think about the structure. Like, you know, you had a stream of consciousness for like an incident yeah. or you have documentation. Like a documentation where somebody looks at the code and writes it post hoc, right? After the code exists, like this is what the code does versus documentation where somebody writes it ahead of time, like saying this is what I'm doing or this is what it's mm-hmm. doing. And then... And I find it very valuable for for developers when you make them sort of have that discussion ahead of time, then write code, and they're like, okay, now does your code actually do things that you explained it? Like, oh, no, it, it's kind of a muddled map. <laughs> like, it's very, yeah. it helps developers see that. And if we go back to AI doing it all, I, you know, would developers still see it the same way? That's, a, that's also kind of a good point. It reminds me of, like, you don't really understand it well enough unless you can teach it. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, or so, some kind of like phrase of that is out there in the world. Um, and so the documentation might be one of those things too, where like, I know sometimes that for me, as I'm writing documentation, I'll get to one particular point and go, I can't really describe how well that works because, huh, I guess I don't understand it very well. I just, I didn't care about that piece mm-hmm. for my delivery. I just had to deliver this part of it. But now that I'm writing documentation for others to read, it would be really helpful if I actually understood that flow. That way I can go back through and write a better flow. So you're right. It could take away one moment where an engineer could better understand the system because we're like, ah, oh, whatever. AI will generate that for me. I don't have to understand it very well. Um, and I feel like that argument goes, it almost feels like the um, a generational thing too. We're like, we're like wondering, like everyone's like, you're never. You're not going to have a calculator with you at all times when you're in school. And then, like mm-hmm. now, now we always have a calculator with us because we have a phone with us. And now we're like, oh well, AI will generate the document, but it's not going to learn everything. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe it gets better in 20 years. Well, I think I'm making a slightly different argument of saying being able to write document. I'm saying the if you can't write documentation about what you've done, it's probably mm-hmm. not very clear in your head. Right, like it's the difference yeah, between. I agree with that. Um, I know people, some people who are very, very bad storytellers, or, and children, 
children are very bad storytellers. So you say, oh, how, you know, <laughs> no, no, like, how do you play this game? And you will proceed to get a step-by-step list of all the things you do. And you, you know, when you're listening to them, you then have to build up a mental model. Of like, okay, they're doing all these things. What is the game? Like, what are we doing here? Whereas oh, if you talk to an adult and you try to, I'll take Uno. I've been playing a lot of Uno, right? You talk to the kids and the kids will tell you, you have seven cards and you play them, but oh, you have to make sure that it's this. And you're trying to explain Uno by mm-hmm. actually walking through a round of, of Uno. It, it's hard. But if you explain right. what Uno is as an adult, you know, oh, you have cards and you're trying to get, you're trying to be the first one out of cards. And you have to put, play a card that is the same, you know, color or number as the other person. And that, you know, that's where I think maybe the AI thing ah, will hurt okay. us because AI can absolutely explain the steps. Yes. So I right? see. It, it so can explain how a round of Uno proceeds, and I could read that, but it's not going to tell me what the point of Uno is. Right, right. So, yeah, I think we're, we're going to kind of arrive at the same conclusion there. It's, it describes what exists, but not what the original goal was. Right. Right. It's uh, So... And it can't unless you somehow like provide that in a comment, like you're talking about some kind of way to describe that or throw it in there. Um, Cause it will never understand why you started building that code to begin with. Uh, unless, unless you explicitly say that it'll scan through the code base, it'll find the functions and go, Oh, given what you've built, this is actually what's do what it's doing. But yeah, that context needs to somehow be provided to it. Right. And I assume that will get better over time. Yeah. Uh, but I also wonder, like, would, or maybe it won't get better at time, because this is, to me, <laughs> the value proposition of humans over AI, like when they feel, oh, well, you know, AI is just going to write the low-level code, and humans are going to tell, you know, the prompt injection or whatever they're calling it. If you can't explain what it is you've do- done or what you're doing from a meta level, like, oh, I'm, you know, a child might explain how you walk down the street to the park. But it would be very hard to get them to say, oh, I'm going to the park. They will explain right. the steps to get to the park. And I feel, I'm going to sound snotty, but a lot of developers <laughs> have trouble explaining that as well. They can explain, oh, well, I know I need, I know what I needed to do. And so I did all these steps and I didn't document it. Now, in retrospect, I don't actually have any idea what I did or why I was doing it. But you know, here's steps and it gets you to the park. And I feel like a lot of developers have trouble making that movement out back, taking a, a step back and say, oh, well, this is what I did, right? The summarization yeah. is hard. And there's a lot of clarity when you can see it and you get into it. And so going back to the incident response thing of, I can imagine AI would be very good at saying, oh, I, you know, we made a change we turned us change the setting and it caused too many database connections. And so then people were having outages and we fixed it by turning off, by reducing the database connections. Mm-hmm. Right. And AI could very easily, if that was your outage, summarize that. And everyone would, could agree that that, that is indeed what happened, right? You ran out of database connections. But to me, it's like, oh, well, that, like that, the problem isn't really what happened. The problem is you have no idea how many database connections you have and you have no monitoring on that. Mm-hmm. Now you've you know, made these changes, and so if if the developer doesn't make the 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 incident report and nobody reads the incident report, the value proposition you're going to lose all that. 
Yeah. And part of me thinks too, like, you know, whenever AI just handles stuff for you, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe this is just me. I feel like kind of, I, I, I'm not as drawn to it. Like if there was a channel that always gave me auto-generated reports, like, yeah, like for example, you tune it out after a minute, you, you tune it out. Yeah. So even now, like if, if there's, if Slack is down and well, I won't even use Slack, but like AWS or some other kind mm-hmm. of thing goes down and you have a Slack channel that tells you it's like, you know, hooked up an integration to tell you something went down after a while that becomes noise. You're interested at first because you're like, Ooh, was it a service I cared about? But then after a while, it's just like, Oh, this has gone down. This is back up. This is down. This is back up. Yeah, it's nice. But if, you know, if John Doe, some, you know, important person leading this thing posts a blurb about it, then you're like, Oh, and you're drawn to it. Cause you know, it's like someone went out of the way to write it. So it's probably a little more meaningful. Uh, so I think that will be become, become a problem too, is like making sure that we don't tune out the generated things. Or just assume, oh, yeah, we have documents there. I didn't check them because you know, AI is going to take care of that. AI wrote the document, so I know we have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know my company, we pays for CodePilot, and I was using it for a while, and then I, mm-hmm. I turned it off because a lot of times it would start writing document blocks for me. And then mm, they were correct, yeah. but they weren't really what I was trying. Like, they didn't capture the essence of what it was. And so I'd have to read it and then think about it and then adjust it, which took significantly longer for me than just not having it and writing it myself in the first place. Because I had to. Did, hmm? did, did what it generated kind of help you reflect on what you were coding? Like maybe, maybe and how it generated what it thought you were doing. It made you kind of like step back and go, Oh, maybe, maybe what I'm coding isn't clear that even the computer is trying to give me the wrong suggestion or something like that. It would have, but I was working in legacy code uh, in this case, oh. in these cases. <laughs> And so I already knew it wasn't clear. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and the the comment that that CodePilot would produce is correct, would be correct, but it wouldn't add any it wouldn't make it anything more clear. So it wasn't useful. It, it just added to the noise. Gotcha. So, All right. Well, I, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, no, I think I think we're in agreement that AI is generally a good thing. Mm-hmm. It can write pretty decent docs. Probably having AI write your, bringing AI in as part of your auto doc process probably would be a very good thing, hmm. especially if it helps you come to a conclusion on the where should your documentation live. You know, it's one of those. Well, with automation, it can just live everywhere because you can. It doesn't cost anything to to produce it, uh, and we seem to still feel that having documentation, uh, automating part things like incident response summaries, it's probably right. not there yet. And that part of that problem is that nobody reads the summaries. And so the value, if there is any, is that writing it, right? Like writing it is still useful to the human who mm-hmm. has to do it because it makes them think. Yeah. And if, especially if no one's ever going to read it, not, ha- not <laughs> having the human write it, just so you got your socks compliance or something, that would be bad. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeffrey Sherman. And I'm Isaac Askew. And this is Never Rewrite.